All right, sprinters, welcome to today's session, which is our first completely live session where you ask questions and I try to answer as many of them as possible. So welcome, everybody. I have some echo. Let's see how I can repair this. One second, please. So, is this better now? Yes. So, first question. Let's talk about yesterday and if that happens often. Perfect. Hey, welcome Ray Mildoni. Welcome Johan Noguera. I have no echo now anymore. I hope you don't have an echo. I hope you can hear me well. Give me a sign if you can hear me well. Not all of us can jump on. Yeah. All right. So you can hear me. Cool. First question. Let's go there. Let's talk about yesterday and if that happens often. Yes. David Fiori, welcome. Amazing to have you here. Welcome, Australia. Austria and Australia sounds near, right? It's not so near. And uh, but today technology brings us together. Amazing. Hey, gang, says Aria Omiara. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Come in. Come in. Let's get this party started. So did yesterday uh, happen often. This sounds like, thanks Ray, sound is fine. Yeah. So this sounds like somebody like Johan who is in here for a couple months in this wild roller coaster that is the crypto world. So let's go back with you, Johan, a couple months and a couple years so that you see here. <laughs> thanks Ray, smash that like button. So, um, this is Bitcoin, if you can see today. And let's move from a four hour perspective to a weekly perspective. And let's let's go backwards in time to see what we can even do. So if you're new to crypto, this is TradingView. I use the free package of TradingView, the free plan, and it's perfect. Uh, you don't need any, you don't need the paid one. This one has enough functionalities. You can have three indicators and you can see the whole history. Also, the most common way of looking at things is the candles. This is how you usually learn it in trade school. But you don't have to because it's much easier to see long term trends if you change it to the line. So, for example, let's go to the line here because your question is, does this happen often? So let's calm down the visual by just having a line instead of the weekly candles. This is the weekly view. And now we are here in November, in December, and then we can go back November. We can go back the summer. You remember the summer dip if you were in the game? that was pretty heavy 
and the experienced ones were just buying and buying and buying but it was also pretty tough for for most people who were in maybe half a year or just one year in the game if we go back is this what bitcoin does yes this is what bitcoin does but historical view is one thing so you can see that the pattern is a recurring pattern but there is a so we can use historical data as one data point but we cannot use it yes jane uh, thank you for the question the software is called trading view and it's the free version so johan we can look at historical data but we are never in the same context so it's one of 10 data points is looking at historical data but you know if you jump into a river uh, today and if you jump into a river in 10 days it's not the same johan that jumps into the river some i don't know seven percent of your body has changed and a hundred percent of the river has changed so the context changes and the same is for bitcoin three years ago bitcoin was small cap and easy easy to push around now it's it has a bigger market cap it's slower in growth of course but it's also now playing with other participants so right now we have to to look at the dixie the dollar strength because you have basically four markets and the bitcoin market is by far the smallest so the real context here is is if you look at the markets in billions of us dollars we have the crypto assets with which are 244 billions all cryptos are right now 244 billions now just the global military spending is 1700 billions the fortune 500 are 22000 billions the stock market are 89000 billions and even the stock markets are a small market because the real driver of the economy is the global debt market the bonds market that's that's by far the biggest mover of everything else so when that moves and this week we will have the fed announcing tapering or interest rate change that is the main driver so that will affect the dollar strength which will probably go up and if the dollar strength goes too much up and the the other currencies collapse like the turkish lira is collapsing right now and probably now 10 20 more will collapse over the next months and years then the dollar will go up and now you have this main driver the stronger the dollar the more wind against the anti-dollars and the anti-dollars are gold silver and bitcoin so this is the real driver and one of the 10 things that we have to think about and the second is okay what's the history and what's the technical analysis so history backwards and history of the here and now so on the one side johan i can call me and say yes this is what bitcoin does all the time 
yes, I guess also the Australian dollar will collapse. I don't know right now the debasement rate and the inflation rate of the Australian dollar, but you can look it up. And um, yes, I guess all, all currencies are going to collapse bit by bit. That's how, how the system is built. And the last one will be the US dollar to collapse. And this is, this is one of the main reasons why cryptocurrency has started to be uh, uh, something real, something that people want and something it's a flight to safety for many people because they expect currencies to collapse because the debt spiral is now so massive that there are no other options for, for nation states than to keep pumping and to keep faking it. But you can fake, 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 fake. At some point it's over. And um, uh, currencies that were picked by nation states instead of by the people, by the market, historically have always collapsed at some point. And you can look right now inflation rate of the single currencies. All right, I think I'm back. I'm not sure. Let me check. I don't know what happened. My the whole screen was pink and then it was gone. And now I'm back here. Let's see. Yes. Yes. All right. I think I'm back. I'm not sure. Let me check. I don't know what happened. Okay, let's go to question number two. Let me go back. Question two. Long-term investments are Bitcoin and ETH. Will ETH take the market share from ETH? Or is there too much built on it already? Great question. So what will happen? I follow the macro guru Raul Pell. He runs a channel and a paid newsletter um, about global macro trends. And he is really the expert on this because he is 30 years of macro uh, analysis. And this is a macro time. This is a time uh, to understand, like Ray Mildoni says, this is to this is the time to understand debt and the macro cycles. So, Raúl Paul is the macro god uh, for me, <laughs> and the guy that I study. And um, he says basically, Bitcoin is here to stay, and Ethereum at some point. So for now. His biggest bet is Ethereum. He says there is nothing that will grow as fast as Ethereum, but Bitcoin is here to stay basically forever. Ethereum is the biggest risk reward bet right now. He calls it the best asymmetric bet. So it's here to stay. But he also said, and he sees Ethereum at $20,000 at the end of this cycle, 20,000 US dollars at the end of this cycle, which to me, uh, I don't see it from, from what I am seeing right now, but I see the trend. He also says that Solana will at some point override Ethereum. So Solana will be the next Ethereum. He sees Solana at 2000. I know that many of you hold Solana. Um, he sees Solana at 2000 US dollars in this cycle, which is also quite of a mouthful, but I see the direction coming. And um, and what else did he say? He said that at some point Solana 
will take the market position, the number two position of Ethereum, and that after Solana, somebody else, uh, one of the layer ones, will take the position of Solana. But that's really long term. We are talking here five to 10 years, five to 15 years. So if you say that ETH and Bitcoin are your biggest positions, I think that's the best thing you can do right now. It's probably from a risk reward perspective, the best thing you can do. Bitcoin is designed to go up. Now there is, there's one question mark, it's the debt the debt market. And uh, it seems to me that if the dollar gets very strong, because right now we have a very strong dollar, let's, let's look at the markets quickly. Right now we have a super strong dollar, which is, if you look at the dollar in index, it's 96.47, it's super strong. And it kind of correlates to the wind against Bitcoin that was suppressing the current Bitcoin price. Because if you look at the price of Bitcoin, it should be right now at 70,000 if the criterion is the hash rate and what's really going on. The flow of retail money coming in, which is huge. Uh, let me show you the flow of retail money coming right now into Bitcoin. The flow of retail money has never been as high. We are at all time high retail money. That's us, the small people with their small budgets buying Bitcoin is at all time high. If we look at the hash rate, the hash rate is at all time high. The miners are in a very healthy situation. They are ordering more and more rigs. So if you look at all these things, then we have the institutional money coming in all time high. ETFs uh, being discussed and some of them being also uh, on, on, on the road right now. We have pension funds and nation states who have Bitcoin as part of their portfolios. So these are all bullish signals, all healthy signals. And if you compare the hash rate, we should be at 70,000. So there is a stronger driver working against Bitcoin. And my hypothesis right now, I don't know, I'm not a, a macro expert, but my hypothesis right now, based on what I'm studying, is the dollar strength is, is the, the major driver, the debt market, and the collapses of the currencies. So a strong dollar might be even more wind against Bitcoin in the next weeks and months, which can only, I think, defer the pump that mathematically has to come, but it can be deferred by such a long time that people lose their, their confidence and that can create a, a backward spiral, of course. If we look, I always look at fear and greed index. So the fear, when the markets are fearful, you want to buy. When the markets are greedy, you want to sell. That's a, a basic principle of investing. And um, when, you, when you look at the fear index, it went a little bit down uh, since yesterday. Uh, last week, fear was at, at all-time high. We can look here. So this is the fear and greed index. And when it's down, it's fear. So last week, we had the highest 
fear 21 and we are now moving back to 28 it's it's getting better um but yeah people are fearful let's look next question eth versus eth classic for example or eth versus soul great question so eth classic just don't touch it eth classic was a a fork meaning historically uh it's the old eth the new eth is eth just go with it just don't don't waste your time with eth classic i could tell you about the historical situation and how that forking uh, came about and and what the discussions were but just just stick to ETH. ETH to Sol. ETH to Sol is really interesting and um, and right now ETH is in a very strong position. Sol even better. The, f the news of last week made me buy even more Sol even if Sol is already my second biggest position so i wouldn't need to buy so much soul but what happened is all these news about the attacks on solana these attacks on solana are not really attacks on solana there is a congestion because it's the fastest growing and it has started the radium project and uh, during that, it couldn't scale as fast as people are using it. So it's scaling so fast that everything's breaking, but it's not really breaking. It's a very healthy sign. I would buy Solana, and I did buy Solana, at 180, at 170, at 160, and at 150. Yesterday at 150, I was buying Solana. Oh, this is not Solana, I'm sorry. Let's go to Solana. So I would buy Solana at everything below 200. It's right now at 165. So yesterday morning I bought at 150 and now it's at 165 in this macro environment. So first of all, we are still in a bull run, in a general bull cycle that has probably more months to go. I think 20% is ahead of us. And then second, yes, Solana is the strongest in terms of adoption, in terms of um, growth. And I always look at the validators, number of validators, because that's in my checklist, one of the most important points. How de-risked is it? Something is de-risked when it has network effects. How do you see if a crypto asset has network effects? One of the point is number of validators. So you see that Solana has 1,291 validators. You could say, well, that's a lot. Yeah, but even stronger than that is the growth by week. They are adding something like, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a huge number that they are adding per month, much higher than all the others. So Ethereum is from the risk reward, perspective the least risk highest reward asset right now even if the price is high uh, and then from our top 10 list the next one is Solana and yeah Solana is my second biggest back and then we have 
Avalanche, which is uh, also quite a bag in our top 10, Polkadot, which is in our top 10, Terra, who has just entered our new top 10 of next year, Phantom, who has entered our top 10, and I'm wondering if it was a good idea. We will see. Phantom needs to show us that it's really performing. Uh, it was performing well, but now hmm, they are they're weak uh, right now. Let's go to the next questions. Uh, how long is a cycle? Nobody knows. <laughs> so there are hypotheses because of the four years half half halving. Uh, events and difficulty adjustments. There are some hypotheses of how long a cycle is, but that was only up to a certain point. I think from 100,000 on the stock to flow model will not work anymore. And also all the other models break, especially since the real driver seems to be the dollar strength. So and the debt market. So if you take that into consideration, we know what the driver is, but we don't know the length of any cycles. Since I have understood that, I have stopped thinking in length of cycles and I just watch what's going on right now. Because if we just watch what is right now, we take better decisions than if we project what might be coming because it might come in a different way. So it made me very humble because I was thinking, oh, stock to flow model, we will be at 70K in November. And then you saw what happened in November. So we had some pretty clear ideas about cycles. They are all invalidated. So a, a, a hypothesis which is invalidated, I don't hold on to. We, we stick to the numbers. We stick to the current um, dynamics, growth dynamics and, um, and functional dynamics. And it's much better. Jane, what is a validator? So you have two kinds of crypto um, consensus mechanisms. One is proof of work. This is Bitcoin mainly. There is also Kadena, but it's mainly Bitcoin. Proof of work means you have miners and they secure the network. They run the network, they secure the network. And you have nodes um, that, that make it distributed. Now, the proof of stake, which is Ethereum and, and everything else, Solana has a, also a proof of history, which is another consensus mechanisms. All these non-proof of work mechanisms, they are built upon validators and validators are uh, the, the node points and the distribution points that run the system, secure the system and check and create consensus. So basically what a, a bank would do, but for a bank, it takes weeks to say, yes, this transaction goes to there and now it's closed, which takes a traditional uh, bank two weeks to do, to close that whole loop. Yes, this transaction is legit, is correct and happened. Uh, that is done by validators in, in a much shorter time in, on the blockchain. Yes, verifying transactions on a blockchain, exactly. Uh, they also pay money and stake it. They also get fined if their systems are offline. Yes, thank you, Ray Mildoni. There are many layers of security and maybe I can share with you something that I have learned from, from 
Michael Saylor. Where do I find it in my notes? Michael Saylor has shared, yeah, I don't know where I have it right now, but Michael Saylor has shared his, his hypothesis of the seven layers of security of Bitcoin. And one of them um, is the miner sort. The same thing happens with the validators. Validators are for many reasons the de-risking of the network because they have skin in the game. They are the first to see things. There are incentives for them to keep the network healthy and alive. There are incentives for them for not to spend the money, but to keep being invested. And for example, I am in Avalanche. I am something like a validator or or I don't, I don't remember exactly the name, but basically I have uh, committed to stay with my bag untouched and to give it to contribute it to the community for 12 months. So up to next September, I'm committed to Avalanche. And when you have many people committed there, that's another additional layer that secures the network. All right. Next question. Question four. How do you jump on a coin when it is released? How do you find out about them? Question five. For the older traders in the group, how often does the top 20 coin change year to year? Okay. So how do you jump on a coin when it is released? How do you find out about them? <laughs> there are IDOs and you can go to, for example, Binance Labs uh, shows you the new, the new things coming and you can get in very early. Then there are on Solana, there are marketplaces for these things. And there are IDOs, initial uh, DEX offerings. And there are even private sales where sometimes you get informed if you are in the right networks. I get every day some private sales offering via Telegram, via via Discord, via, um, via people that I know. And let me let me answer this on a on a deep level because I have stopped doing what most people are doing in crypto right now, which is to look for the early 100x opportunities. And, uh, and there are reasons for this that I want to share. This was my main learning of this year is that I don't invest anymore in things that are not in the top 100, in the biggest market caps for a reason. First, we will have pressure against the crypto market and 99% will be washed away in a couple days. And we don't know, is this in two months, in three months, is it tomorrow? We don't know. But 99% of everything that you can see right now on coin market cap will be washed away very quickly because it cannot stand the heat and we will have heat. Now, when heat comes in, only the, the strong ones will, will stay in the game. Probably Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and then from there you start betting now. Will it be Binance? Will it be Solana? Will it be Avalanche? Nobody really knows. But it's good to circle back your profits into the big ones 
uh, and and have yes fast horses that will grow faster where you take profits during the month and cycle back the profits into your three big ones bitcoin ethereum and probably solana in my case solana but how small should they be you can go 100x but you will need 100 hours per week and uh, most of you guys you are entrepreneurs like we are entrepreneurs on this channel, in this community. We don't want to spend 100 hours per week looking at uh, crypto assets, right? We have our revenue systems, our saving systems and our investment system. And if you want to spend just one hour per week, which most of us do here, then you can go for 10x instead of 100x. And that's much easier because, you know, if you spread, let's say you spread 100k around 100 projects then you have just 1k in each project then it really needs 200x for for anything to happen and also you you are putting 1000 in something that costs you 100 just to buy it doesn't make really sense uh so and and they will not be around uh over a long time they are sprinters they they do as as if an intense short burst and they're gone so you have to sell at the right moment that's why 100 hours and it's it's not realistic that you will sell at the right moment uh, unless you do only this full-time 100 hours so in round one from from if you put in uh here 10k in three rounds you can make 78k but only with 100 hours our method is we put the 10K into only 10, top 10 horses. And so you need only three winners and seven losers, which is realistic with one hour per day. You, you can pick three winners. And so in round one, that 10K will become 23K. In round two, it will become 52K. And in round three, you have 121K out of 10K. This is the method that we have been using over the last years, and it has worked um, uh, well with just one hour per day. That's as a premise to answering your question, where do you see the super early stuff? It will find you because people are full of excitement and they will say, oh, look at this. So your friends will tell you, look at this, this is coming, this is coming. And so I, let me tell you one mistake that I did uh, this year. I went into a project which had all the good requisites and it was a very early project. It's called Solend. Why, why did I go into Solend? So I did my, my 10, 10 points analysis. This is, this is Solend. It's on the, on the edge of the risk curve, as you can see. And I said, okay, let me have one thing, one high risk, high reward thing, which is here. Let me go very early because I checked the investors, best investors on the planet, Andres and Horowitz, etc. I checked the product. I used the product. I loved it. Then I checked the ecosystem and the layer one. It was on Solana. I am bullish Solana. So many, many reasons to go in. I went in with with a small sum, three three thousand euro, and uh, 
it started at six dollars and then a couple of weeks later it went down to three dollars it's right now around four dollars so i lost money so i'm i'm holding it until it gets to 10 and then i will sell it and i will never do early stuff again never again because even the best projects, all the re requisites were there. I told it to hedge fund managers who are friends of mine and they went, oh my God, I have to jump in. They all jumped in. And now I'm like, oh God, what did we do? So I will never do that again in my life. Uh, and that's why I'm not the expert where you can find the newest, hottest things. That's what I block. If somebody sends me, hey, do you want to come in early on this? I block them on Twitter. So that's how I... Uh, how I evolved this year. Let's go to the other questions. For the older traders in the group, how often does the top 20 coins change year to year? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, and can you explain this a bit more, please? What is round one, two, three? Oh yeah, sure. Let's go back and then, and then I go back to your question. So let's say you have 10K and this is about portfolio construction, right? Because the elements of your investment system, according to what we teach here, is first portfolio construction, then asset selection, then your entry and exit systems, then your research system, how to define, how to pick the right asset, and then your rebalancing system. How often will you buy and sell so that your portfolio allocation stays the way you want it to be in terms of risk reward, because investing is always risk reward. And we are not traders here, we are investors. And we want a 10x um, as often as possible during the year. So you can go for a 100x, and if you put 10K in, and you have just one winner, because you, don't, we will, you will never have more than one right pick in this VC model, uh, the probability is just not, not, not in, in the cards. Uh, then in round one, those 10K become around 20K. In round two, you reuse the profits, you can make 40K. In round three, you reuse the profits, you can make 78K. But you have spent 100 hours per week in research, or you have five people, analysts, who do research for you, but that's expensive. And then so you have to cut it from the profits here. And we don't want that. So we want pure profits and just one hour per week. We are entrepreneurs who want to keep their money. We are not people who say, I, I jump off my job, I, I, I start something completely new and I become a full-time crypto investor. No, don't do it. You need your revenue systems, your saving systems and your investment systems. This is the last part, investment systems. So you still need your revenue systems in your business uh, and those profits, you take 10K, you put them in here, and with this method, you make 120 of them in three rounds. So the other version here, just one hour per week, you put in 10K, you have three winners, they become 30K, the rest is losers. You move with 23 forward. In round two, you reinvest those profits, you move to 52 in round three, you are at 120. So now you have 10x your 10k with just an hour per day, including the weekends. Uh, for me, actually, the weekend is the best time because 
my kids sleep they have their their small kids so they have their after lunch they have their their silent hour and they sleep and this is when i go do my rebalancing what is the rebalancing rebalancing means i go over over my portfolio allocation so for example this is my current portfolio allocation i say how much do i want to have in stocks my allocation is 36% in stocks that's mainly tech stocks because that's what i understand and then yeah this is also important pick your area where you are really deep into the know and you know you are the first one to know what's coming because people tell you anyways because you are immersed in that world anyways so I am a coach to tech entrepreneurs, so I know what's going on in Silicon Valley and I am the first one to hear it. That's why I buy Silicon Valley stocks. Otherwise, I couldn't do it. You have to be in the know of your area. So that's, I pick stock allocation 36%, crypto 36%. That's, that's according to my age and my revenue systems and my goals. Right. My goal is to leave this to my kids. So it's a long term plan. Then I have 20 percent real estate and um, that has served well. So I have something solid also. Alternatives, I have 7 percent. I am over it right now. I, I am at almost 10. So I want to reduce that and cash, which I always had like 20 percent around right now. I have only just 1 percent, but I will. Uh, increase that to 10% over the next months because I want to have dry powder when the next when the when the real crashes uh, come and at some point they will come. So that's a portfolio allocation and now you could define one part of that and you always have your current allocation and your target allocation and rebalancing means uh, I do this every every Sunday. I bring the percentages back in the balance that I want. And you have your risk appetite, which on a risk reward scale, reward means really how much, how much can it 10x, can it 100x? And then you have also your risk, right? So for example, my my distribution, most of my cryptos is Bitcoin, Solana, Ethereum. That's it. And the rest is playing around with risky stuff that should perform much faster. And here you can see Solent, which was a, a mistake. Yeah, it didn't go faster than the rest. So my safest bet is Bitcoin, and that's why it's the biggest. And then I go down the risk curve. Solana, Ethereum, Polygon, Polkadot, Chainlink, Solent. These were the top picks of last year and some of them did really well especially polygon polkadot chainlink who were very undervalued so my cost basis is super low solana has gone up i think 900 percent since i bought it uh, and the only the only failure in my top 10 was solent that, and that's why i share it with you so i don't go i don't go in there anymore into these risky things so moms and dads buy three blue chip coins for now btc eth sol then when do you know to go round two as soon as they go 10x do you ever take 
any at that time. So yeah, when they 10x, you take profits. So you need a, an exit system. And that's the hardest thing to, to learn, actually, because it's easy to buy. It's always rewarding, but it's tough to sell. So you need a buy list. Let's say you have your top 10 or top 20 and you say, this is the guys that I want to hold. And then you need patience because you, you have set the number that you want to buy. You can set a limit order and, and forget it and buy when they dip. That's how you build up your portfolio in a very cheap way. This is how we do it here. So the entry strategy can be you have your list of the assets that you prefer and then you buy a little bit when they have a pullback, minus 5%. You buy hard when they have a correction, minus 10%. And you buy aggressively when they are in a bear market, 20%. So, and, uh, and last week we had even minus 30%, right? This is when you sell everything in the house to buy your favorite things. Uh, I, have, I have tried to sell my triathlon bike to buy more <laughs> Bitcoin this year, <laughs> but nobody bought it. <laughs> it's too expensive. Okay, and then you need an exit strategy. So this is when you buy. And the exit strategy, you have to define for yourself something that is emotion free. There is no emotion in your in your uh, in your system, because if you have emotions uh, that, that can derail you totally, totally. So, uh, oh, look, I can add your question here. Uh, for now, B2C, ETH, SOL, then what do you know when to do to go second round? And if they 10x, do you ever take any at that time? So when do you take profits and how much profits? This is what you need to define. Uh, I can show you one example that I have. So for me, I take profits every time something doubles. That's with my stocks because the stocks never 10x. But they double at some point. So... In my stocks, I have a rule. Whenever they double, I take 50% off. For example, I bought Tesla uh, August 2020. I bought 100 shares. Uh, let me use this. Maybe it's better. I bought 100 shares of Tesla at the price of 301 US dollars. So emotions out. I was just looking at the numbers. When they hit 602 per share, I will sell 50% of my shares. So I did. In December 2020, I sold 50 shares of Tesla. Was it emotionally easy? No, because I love Tesla and I believe in it to go up. But I did. Uh, thank you, Johan. This is incredible information. My smile is huge right now. Cool. Yeah, so I did. Um, sell even if I am to totally in love with Tesla and I see them being 3000 but this is projection so in my head I see 3000 on the chart I see 602 and my system says emotions out you sell now 50% Simon you can you can get back in later so I sold 50 shares then they hit 1204 so they doubled again and uh, and here we go. I sold again 25 shares because 
my exit system says you sell 50%, then 25%, then 12.5%, and so on. Always half of the half. So basically, I got my money back after the first round. And now the second round is game money. This is free money <laughs> that I can use to speculate. So then I go back to my buy list. Okay, what do I want to invest in? And so I reinvest it. And guess what? I will reinvest it in Tesla because I believe in Tesla, but I will buy Tesla at 850. That's my current limit order. And I think today it's, it's at 960. So if you don't own any Tesla, I would buy some at 950, then more at 900 and a lot at 850 because they will go back up. It's, it, the fundamentals are absolutely right. They are dominating. They are crushing it. So in November, which was two months ago, one month ago, uh, I sold 25 shares of Tesla. And if they ever go to 2,400, I will sell again 12.5 shares. This is one example of an exit system. And you need a system. This is really important because your personal inclination, your personality, your emotions will otherwise derail you. And with age comes more self-awareness. Uh, but I am 41 and I still am victim of my emotions. Of course, I'm driven by emotions. I'm Italian and I'm emotional. And so I'm driven by emotions. I love Tesla. I buy Tesla. Um, but that should not be the driver of your decisions. The driver of your decisions, emotions out, it's your system, your exit system, your portfolio allocation system, your entry system. Now, the other thing that we need to cover quickly, let me go, is how do you decide which, which asset to really buy? And also we have some new questions coming in. Let me go to the new questions. When you sell, you place into the blue chip, Bitcoin, Ethereum or Sol. Yes, ultimately, ultimately we cycle them back into the blue chip right now. That's what I am doing. But for short term, you might want something that you believe will be a strong horse for this short term period. And so some some that we have discussed and analyzed on this channel were Decentraland, Mana, uh, Engine, which can be a metaverse play right now, is my pick. We have gone into Render. We have 3x, 4x Render. Then I went out because I was afraid. I wasn't completely sure, but it's still going up. Uh, Gala has been a play, Ultra, Sandbox, Avalanche have been plays where we have risked to go in there with the bet they might go up in the next three months and then I've taken profits from there and cycled them back into the three main blue chips. Question six, how important, I love Johan that you add, add numbers, how important is market sentiment for a bull run? For example, Dogecoin, it has no real value than the hype, right? But Elon effect kicks in. Yes. So there is sentiment in the markets and I see smart people deciding on sentiment. I don't. But but I, I take sentiment as one of the 10 questions in my checklist. Let me show you the 10 things that I look at. Uh, 
for example, we recently did, and I'm coming to your question, Jane, in a second. We recently did the chain link analysis because chain link, I have bought more chain link a couple days ago, and I've shared with you guys here on the channel why I do it. And so I have a 10 pieces checklist, which I call, that's my research system. And um, these are the 10 things that I check before I buy. And so if a friend calls me and say, oh, Simon, I have, uh, I have this information. It's insider information. It will 100x tomorrow. Then I say, okay, okay. If I have two hours, I will run it through my checklist and then maybe I'm in. And I usually afterwards, I'm not in because a few things survive my checklist. And sentiment is really one of the 10 things that I accept as a data point, but I would never accept it as the only data point. So things like those who are just a joke, I don't care, I don't touch, I don't think about, I don't even analyze them. I have never run that through a checklist because there is nothing to check. I hope my answer helps you. And as you can see from here, the whole game is to focus on the top 10. So if something is a joke, it cannot be in my top 10. To be in my top 10, like Chainlink is in my top 10, look how much work Chainlink has to do. Chainlink has to be green in it solves a real problem. Must be green. Otherwise, I don't move to the second one must be completely decentralized, you know, number of validators, interoperability, network effects, Metcalf's law, growth rate, network effects. It must be a two-sided marketplace, not a one-sided marketplace. It's not good enough. So if you are MySpace, you are not good enough. But if you're Google, you are. Uh, uh, Facebook, you are. And um, competitive analysis. How easy is it for somebody to come in and copy it? This is where Doge would, would uh, get read all the time. There is no network effects. There is no defendability from competition. Everybody can start a coin, give it a dog on it and have some influencer push it and it will get momentum. That's why, you know, I'm a strategy advisor since 20 years to real companies, to the, the real guys out there, to the Googles of this world. And it's not, it's not easy to pass my checklist. And if it's something like Wonderland or Doge that can easily be copied, even SushiSwap. I love SushiSwap and I use it a lot, but it's so easy to copy it because it is a copy of Uniswap. If you look Uniswap, it was it was forked and changed the logo and now it's SushiSwap, right? So how easy is it for competitors to just fork it, duplicate it and enter and take your market share? So if that is so easy, I'm out. And then inflation risk. So is the, the supply really limited or do they have in the bag something and they just put hundreds more in? For example, when you see, oh, I'm getting 10,000% APY for this, well, then it's it's probably deflation, uh, inflationary because otherwise they couldn't do it. Then the asset class, the regulatory risk, how easy is it for the SEC to, to ban this? Yeah, 
super easy because zero function, zero health, zero reason why the world should have it and high risk for everybody involved. So if I was the SEC, I would ban this immediately and it will be an easy game for them to, to do it. Velocity, growth and direction. This, this is where they would, they would uh, go in terms of speed, but not in terms of direction. And then the team and the community and the technical analysis. And this is where sentiment is the really, really small part, as you can see, of my decision-making system. And if it survives all of that, then yes. But since I want only to spend one hour per day on this, I will never analyze anything that looks broken from the far. I just go directly to the best things. So confirming with stocks, you take 50% as they grow. With crypto, you just put all profits into the next round, taking no profits. I take the profits and I remove them into fast horses. And at some point, then I take all profits and move into the next round. So it's both. You need to take fractional profits in between. I, um, I call them fractional profits because I take 10%, 15% in between when they, when they are high. It's really hard to, to nail when something is high. But, you, but yes, I take the cash flow in between also because you never know. The whole thing might tank. You can be wrong with your thesis. So I take profits all the time, all the time, but small profits in fraction, like 10%, 5%, 3%. Uh, question nine from Rene, but I don't see the question. <laughs> uh, Johan, can you restate question nine? We had question six. Oh, question seven. What is a shit coin? Why do people still buy them knowing that they are called debt? <laughs> That's a great question, probably more sociological than, <laughs> than mathematical. Um, probably goes into question six answer. Yes. So how much reality check do people really do? How much systems do they have? They don't. They hear my friend said and then they buy. So we are easily emotionally uh, draggable into FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, everybody has this. I need to have this, like with the iPad or whatever, like with with Ray-Ban uh, glasses. Like everybody has this. I have to have it. That's the emotional side that triggers us in. That's why we on this channel use this system, the investment system, which takes emotions out of the game. Just emotions out, checklist in. And also... A friend of mine who is a professor at a university for a very, very uh, uh, complex topic. He one of the smartest people I know, right? But he was tricked into buying something that is a total scam. It's in the category Dogecoin. Uh, and he bought it because I don't know how they tricked him into that, but there is emotions that crawl into your decision-making system and um, yeah they get you that's why you need systems question number nine. Oh yeah here uh, another question here from Rene how do you take profits how do you pick tops and bottoms oh you don't pick top and bottom but I will share you how I try to pick tops and bottom where do we learn charting 
where do you think the next big sector of the blockchain will be other than I was too slow to read I have to go back where do you think the next big sector of the blockchain will be other than decentralized finance DAOs and gaming all right so three or four questions in here let's move through all of them first how do you take profits I take profits all the time all the time every Sunday I rebalance so one of the things is I go over my portfolio allocation you remember it's it's always the same drill you go over your portfolio construction and see the difference between where you want it to be and where it is for example right now I have too many alternatives uh, I want to have 7% I have almost 10% so I will sell some alternatives and then I see okay what do I need to rebalance up so according to your portfolio construction you know where you need to fill up and where you, know you need to sell that's the first thing that you check the second is your asset selection are your top 10 still your top 10 or did some not qualify for the next round for example from my top 10 right now phantom is really at risk of being kicked out of the top 10 and uh, luna terra was something that came into my top 10 lately so the rebalancing is also on the asset selection level and then the last thing that i do is now i go into trading view and this is also part second part of your question how do we learn charting there are courses on that that you can that you can find but it's not that complicated to share uh, the main three indicators that i use so in the free trading view you can use three indicators the first one that i would pull up here is the bollinger bands bollinger bands are these right now we are looking at solana and you see these blue lines here the top and the down and the middle moving average that tells you if it's overbought or oversold in terms of its past history and so if it's touching the top bollinger band that's a selling signal if it's touching the lower bollinger band that's a buying signal but it's not enough to have one indicator you need at least three indicator plus the fundamental analysis fundamental analysis is the 10 steps checklist and then you go through to at least three indicator and you want them all to kick in at the same time now you can go so for example solana here if it was touching the lower bollinger band right now that would be one buying signal and the the lower band would be now here at uh, bah, 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 30 43 dollars well of course i would buy there and then the second indicator is the rsi relative strength index that tells you if it's overbought or oversold a buying signal will be an rsi of 30 or below for crypto we are now at 37 
Yeah, that's a kind of a buying signal. Better to have it at 30, but you will not see Solana at 30 very often. A selling signal would be the RSI over 70. That would be the second, uh, that would be a selling signal. And then there is a third indicator that you can pick. Some people like the sharp ratio. Sharp ratio is the risk reward ratio. And um, other people like the MACD, which tells you when it switches. Uh, you can use a third, a fourth, a fifth. The more indicators you have, the better. These are personally the rough ones that I use. And then you say, can you pick the top and can you pick the bottom? No, you can't. Only the best 0.5% of professional traders in the world are able to time the market. We are not. <laughs> if you're watching this channel, you do not nail the tops and the bottom. We can get near to it. Like yesterday, I nailed 150 Solana. Okay, but I don't expect to nail it. Mostly I don't. Um, but I don't need to because I need only three 10Xs and I don't need to nail exactly the entry points. We don't buy and sell every day or every week. We do this every couple months and uh, every quarter uh, we have bigger rebalancing topics. Like right now, it's a rebalancing time because the world is reviewing their tax losses and their unrealized ta gains. So... Um, VCs, portfolio, pension funds, etc. They are rebalancing uh, because of the tax year. So many people right now are reviewing their top 10 and um, re-evaluating which one will stay in the top 10. I hope this helped a little bit. Uh, it was definitely fun to do this first live Q&A. Let's do more uh, of this. We can do it every week if you want. Now I have to jump to the next thing, but I am happy to, to do more of this. Thank you, Troy Edwards. Thank you, Johan Noguera. Thank you, Jane Slack-Smith. Thank you, Aria Omeara. Thank you, Steve Bailey. Thank you, Bay90. And uh, thank you, Ray Milidoni. Thank you, Melissa Strickland. Thank you, David Fiore. Thank you, Paul Warren. See you soon. Keep rolling, everybody.